Welcome on in, everybody, to another Crossover Thursday brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Locked On Eagles with Locked On Chiefs. I am Gino Camilleri. You can find me at GC24Football on Twitter. Find the co-host of Locked On Chiefs, Chris Clark, at Chris Clark NFL on Twitter. Chris, how's it going in Chiefs Kingdom? <laughs> Not very good, as you can only imagine right now. Yeah, I know it's it's weird sitting at the bottom, isn't it? It's not something that you're used to. Yeah, one and two after three weeks, I did not see coming. Um, you know, I think I lost. I think I had him in my predictions and my season predictions, losing three or four games. Uh, at this point, they'll be lucky to only lose four. So uh, I'm not saying that this team is out of it. I think that they still have a very good team, and I think they can turn it around. Um, but they have to start this week, so. Yeah, both teams coming in at one and two, I would say both are really on different planes of existence right now. The Chiefs, if you looked at our lockdown power rankings with all the co-hosts from all over the network, they put the Chiefs right up at the top, right in that top five still. People are still confident in them. And then there's our Philadelphia Eagles, who are at 24th in those power rankings, a bottom tier team. So two teams coming in with two different messages. And I would say that the Chiefs messaging is we got to get back on track because it seems like that division might be the best division in football currently. It could be. I still have questions about Denver and their QB situation, so let's see how that plays out over the course of the season. And then you look at the Raiders, and yeah, they're 3-0. and um, Congratulations to them for playing well so far. Uh, I do think that they're going to stumble, and I'm just wondering when that's going to be. I will believe more in the Raiders when we get to Week 11 and Week 12 if they're still at the top of the division. Yeah, and you can't really count the Chiefs out. And when you look at the Eagles, it's are they the second best team in this division? I don't know. But record-wise, it shows that they are. I think that come Sunday, we will see two teams really at the opposite ends of the spectrum, which we saw when we played the Cowboys and the Niners the past two weeks. Two teams that are in that upper echelon. It's clear that the Chiefs have the talent. It's clear that the Eagles lack a lot of the depth. And we're going to talk about that in a majority of this show. And in segment two, Chris is going to come back and ask me questions about the Eagles. And then we'll finish up the show with me asking Chris a lot of questions about the Chiefs. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. When we come back, Chris is going to ask me questions on the Eagles. But before we do that, we have a message from our friends at Get Upside. Hey, Eagles and Giants fans, it's Gino Camilleri with an incredible app here to anyone who buys gas. And if you're not buying gas at this point, you're either riding a motorcycle that is electronic or you're getting an electronic car. But for most people, you can go to Get Upside where you can make up to 25 cents. And right now you can make 50 cents back if you use the promo code TOUCHDOWN on the Get Upside app where every time you fill up, you get cash back for the gas that you spend. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Upside. Download the app. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you'll get 50% back, uh, 50 cents back per gallon on your first tank of gas. Some people who drive a lot can make a lot of money, up to two to $300 in a month with cash back, and there's no catch. Cash back gets added right to your account. You can use it at PayPal and e-gift card. Amazon, for people like me that love our friends over at betonline.ag, I take that money, use it for my gambling. So thanks to Get Upside, you could use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents off at your first fill-up. And 
If you have any other issues with your car, you could go to rockauto.com. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto store parts front to give you all the parts your car will have. Why go to the counter and go through that intimidating questioning with somebody who's only going to sell you what they have in their warehouse? You have computers, you have a phone, go to rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30 to 50 to 100% more on the same parts from your local chain storefront? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tan lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Chris, let's get into it. Fire away, my friend. Ask me some questions about an out-of-conference matchup that only happens once every four years and once every eight years here in Lincoln Financial Field. Fire away, my friend. You know, I look at this game, and I think as much as I hate saying it because it seems like it always plays back to the QBs, I think that's what this game is going to boil down to. What do you see from Jalen Hurts so far in his young Philadelphia career? Obviously, he's the starter this year. Uh, big question marks whether or not he can fill the role that uh, they're wanting him to fill. Um, so what do you see from him so far? Yeah, he's definitely a different type of player than Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, one was picked at 10, used the first-round pick to move up with Buffalo to get him in Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid clearly had a keen eye for him. Jalen Hurts was picked at 53. They didn't have to move up or down to get him. He was kind of a guy that was going to be the backup here in Philly to Carson Wentz before they ended up trading him. And now you're asking, is Jalen Hurts the guy? Through seven games, I don't know, and I'm leaning towards the side of that he isn't the guy. He is a guy that will have a career in the NFL. He has the athleticism. He has enough arm talent to get it done. But does he have enough to do it over a 17-game stretch? And if you go to the playoffs, you're playing upwards of 20 games now with this 17-game schedule. And just in this short NFL season so far, you have seen Jalen Hurts on a roller coaster of emotions. At times, he looked fantastic against Atlanta down the stretch against Dallas. He looked okay. But at other times, he really has had a hard time locking in to his second and third read, hitting guys while they're open across the middle. He's slow to some of his throws. You can really see the lack of arm strength, <clears throat> excuse me, down the field on some of the interceptions that he's thrown. And he's lucky that he doesn't have more interceptions right now than he has touchdowns because there have been some plays that have been bad, that have been dropped by defenders. But I look at it, he's a guy with his legs. He can keep you in games. He's continuing to put up over 50 rush yards per game. But do you want your quarterback to be leading your team in rushing? Unless it's Lamar Jackson, I'd probably say no. Yep. And Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he is the answer. We'll see against a Chiefs defense that is susceptible to giving up points. But so was Dallas last week, and they struggled to score on offense. They only put up 14 points on offense. One of those touchdowns came late in the game when Dallas was really giving them anything and everything. So can Jalen Hurts get it done against the Chiefs? I think the top quarterback does come out on top, like you had said. You know, I look at what he has done so far, and I watched a little bit of that game against the against the Cowboys. And I will say, I think that he played okay. There were times where you could see that he has talent, he has the ability to play in this league. But then there are other times, like that throw to, I believe they got intercepted by, I think it's Quandary Diggs. 
that went back to the house? Uh, Trevon Diggs, the younger oh, brother. Trevon, Stephon thank you. Diggs. Sorry. Yep. Yep. No you're problem. right. Uh, Trevon Diggs. You can't make that throw. No. <laughs> you just, you absolutely cannot make that throw. Uh, and when you do something like that, it puts your team at a huge disadvantage. Obviously, a pick six is a huge play, but you can't throw an out like that and be so late on the throw that you're going to give somebody a clear shot at it. Uh, that was really what stuck out to me watching the game. Now, when you look at the rest of this Eagles offense, the offensive line actually, I think, has struggled a little bit more than I was expecting. Lane Johnson has been a force on their offensive line for years, and he seemed to struggle really against the Cowboys, against a pass rush, which I wouldn't expect him to struggle against. Is that kind of what you're seeing? I would say that that was probably the worst game that the offensive line had played, be it that was the first time that Brandon Brooks was out. They had Landon Dickerson play his first start there. I mean, rightfully so. He had his up and down moments. There is a lot to be said about the cohesion between Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks when they are together. They definitely play better together than a young Landon Dickerson right now. And then Isaac Sayamalu, who is probably the unsung hero of this offensive line, is now out with a foot injury. And we don't know the status of Jordan Maialata at left tackle. So the only two guys there are Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson that have been the starters for quite some time. They have been getting it done, but I would say in that game plan where they pass the ball way more than they did run it, where they only handed the ball off twice, the strength of that offensive line is getting up to the second level in the run game with athletes like Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. Even Landon Dickerson's a good athlete in his own right. So is Andre Dillard and Jordan Maialata who played there. So when you're having to defend against the pass for a guy who is at the top of the league right now in time to throw and – when he gets outside of the pocket, yeah, things are going to break down on the offensive line. I would say the offensive line is probably the second best unit on this team right now outside of the defensive line. I'm going to say a lot of it has to do with Jalen Hurts' indecision to get the ball out of his hand more than it does straight up in pass rush. But I agree. That wasn't Lane Johnson's best performance by any stretch. And they need to get back on track and quick. And with potentially three starters being out, I don't know how quickly that gets done. And with a young quarterback, I think you're really going to have to lean on the run game this week and going forward, especially with this offensive line, who who knows how they're going to hold up in pass rush moving forward. Yeah, and I just found it really interesting to see Lane Johnson get called for multiple holding penalties Mm -hmm. uh, in the span of just a couple of plays. Penalties are a different beast with this team. They're leading the league by far with 35 in three games. That's unacceptable in my opinion, and everybody's doing it. You got to be more disciplined than that. Mm-hmm. When you flip it over to the other side, you start looking at this defense, and it looked like they played pretty well the first couple of weeks. Um, they obviously weren't able to get the win in week two, uh, but to hold the 49ers to 17 points, that's still pretty decent. Uh, but to allow 41, and I know one of those was a defensive score by the Cowboys, but to allow that kind of offensive output from a Cowboys team that was just held to, what, 22 points the week before by a Chargers defense that I don't think is that. I think they're okay, but I don't think they're great. Mm-hmm. Just kind of surprising. Yes, I know this is, that was a divisional game, but that Cowboys offense moved the ball up and down the field and basically had their way with the, your defense. What have you seen from them last week that is kind of different than the was the first couple? Well, I would say that, honestly, it wasn't much different than the defense that they played in week one and week two. But the metaphor that I keep using is that it's like a rubber band when you play a bend, don't break defense. And you could take a rubber band and snap it back like a hundred times, right? And maybe on that hundred and first try, that rubber band breaks. And I really think that bend, don't break defense had too much stress on it. And when you're playing a team like Dallas, 
who is built to win in the modern game on offense with high-quality running backs, high-quality wide receivers, a top-seven quarterback, top-five at any given time in the league, much like Patrick Mahomes has, when you're sitting back in off coverage and letting guys like – I don't know how you're going to do that against Tyreek Hill and just allow him to run all over in that free space, which they've been doing – to guys like Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb who lit them up last week. Well, and then you're you have Travis be, Kelsey too. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to be in for a long day. And I think Jonathan Gannon started to realize late in that game that they need to play more man coverage because when they're just letting guys run routes, they're doing what Jim Schwartz did for the past four or five seasons here in Philadelphia where you're doing a bend don't break defense, but now you're not doing it in man. You're doing it in zone where yards after the catch – is the modern way how you win in the NFL. Space and separation. You're trying to create spatial Darwinism is a term that Cody Alexander, who writes a ton of books on quarters coverage, which the Eagles are playing, tends to use a lot. And they are failing to win that battle of spatial Darwinism. They're giving up too much space on the back end. And when your front four is getting to the quarterback, you need at least two seconds to two and a half seconds on the back end to make things worse. But when you're playing Dak Prescott, Travis, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, you're going to go against Tom Brady in a week or so. These guys excel against defenses that give them time and space. And when there's pressure in front of your face, but they recognize that blitz, they recognize the open man, they're going to eat you alive. And it could be a death by a thousand cuts, but hey, once that dam breaks, I think you saw what happened last week. I'm shocked Dallas didn't score 50 points on that team. There was the ball that went across the end zone that they called no touchdown. That would have put them at 48. They were driving multiple times. I don't know how long you could keep up with that until you have to change your philosophy on the outside. Zone coverage is good when you are able to cover the men in zone. But when you're covering grass, you're like, hey, this is my zone. I'm going to stay here. You're not going to excel too much on defense, especially in the NFL when you have playmakers everywhere nowadays. Guys have to run a 4-4. They have to be great with their lateral agility. They have to be great in yards after the catch. That's not how you defend this modern-day NFL. It could be a repeat of last week, Chris, honestly, for the for the Chiefs this week if they don't change their backfield in the defense around relatively quickly. Well, and I'm glad you actually say that. Uh, Kansas City could really use that, so I would appreciate it if you guys continue to go with what you've been doing. Uh, well, the one thing I will say is that when you look at this Chiefs team, one of the things that they went out and did this year is they changed their offensive line completely. What are you seeing from your defensive line in the front from the defensive line? Are they getting pressure? Obviously, if you were in a zone defense, you're hoping that they're going to take a, you know two or three, maybe even four seconds to get the ball out, trying to get the players in the different zones. But what are you seeing from the defensive line at this point? Defensive line is, a, I'd say, a top five unit in football and maybe the best, easily the best unit on this team by far. And I would say far and away, there isn't a unit that's close to this team. Right now, they have two of the best interior rushers in Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, who is playing at a better rate than Fletcher Cox. He's leading all next-gen stats in pass rush win rate, pressures created, QB hits. He is really... I, I saw somebody tweet that he's the second best interior defensive lineman this season and completely unbiased. If you look at his tape, four sacks in three games from an interior rusher, that is a high quality pass rusher. It's phenomenal. And that, pass rush. yeah, yeah, phenomenal pass rush. And the thing is, now they just signed a young Josh Sweat to an extension on the edge, and he really excels at containing the pocket 
and winning against the run. So they're really keeping the QBs inside the pocket. So for a guy like Patty Mahomes, who likes to get outside the pocket and do things outside of structure, every day when you're seeing Jalen Hurts do that in practice, you could kind of mold your defense around that. You know, the defensive line sees that a ton. So I think that was a good recipe last week against Dak. And I think they could do that against Patrick Mahomes. But the question is, can the seven guys behind them hold their own? Linebackers are weak. Safeties are weak. Corners have the talent, just not put in a position to succeed. That defensive front will create havoc all day long. They did it against a good front in Dallas last week. They did it against a good front for the Niners the week before that. Even though they didn't have any sacks, they were creating pressure. They're going to be in the face of Patrick Mahomes. But can the guys behind them shut down one structure goes awry? That I don't know. When we get back, Gino's going to ask me some questions about this Chiefs team and about how they started off one and two. Absolutely. And if you want to put some wagers on this game, and it is an out-of-conference matchup, so if you want to be invested, it isn't an NFC East matchup. But, hey, if you want to be there on Sunday watching your red zone and get involved in the game, go to betonline.ag because everybody is betting on football this time of year. It's the number one place to bet on pro and college football with their new updated interface and even more odds, props, and contests. Betonline.ag is the number one way and the number one source for everything football. Head to the website today or use your phone or mobile device to sign up and receive a 100% welcome bonus when you use the promo code NFL100. You're going to double your initial deposit just for signing up. So use that promo code NFL100. Not only is football going on, NHL is coming back. Baseball is in the playoffs in a couple days. Basketball is coming back. Boxing, UFC action is happening every week. You could go and put something down on roulette at your favorite Vegas casino game, bet on my lucky number 24, and take advantage of all their amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Chris, let's finish up the show here asking you some questions on the Kansas City Chiefs, the one and two Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think people really predicted that. Let's start right there. Did you expect them to lose these one-score games in the manner that they have in the past couple weeks? No, I think that you look at what uh, the way that they've lost, and they basically, and I hate saying this, but they beat themselves in both games. Can't turn the ball over and expect to win. Four turnovers against uh, the Chargers, you know, a couple turnovers against the Ravens. Uh, you know, that was a Ravens team that was missing a ton of players. They had no business losing that game. Uh, and if Clyde doesn't fumble at the end of that Ravens game, I think that, you know, Bucker goes down and kicks a field goal and they win and they're sitting at least two and one. But then you go into playing this Chargers team who you know is going to be tough and you turn the ball over four times. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of the penal- some of the turnovers were uh, kind of crap things where, you know, Tyreek Hill had a fumble. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a fumble. Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions, one of which hit a receiver in his hands. Now, it wasn't the best pass, but it still hit the receiver in the hands and he popped it up. And then the other one, he overthrew Travis Kelsey, which to me it looked like at least Kelsey was stopped mid-route after Mahomes already released the ball. So, who knows? I, I think that they need to get back to doing what they do, and if they can control the ball and, and hold on to the ball, I think they'll be in good shape. But turning the ball over in that specific game, they turned it over, I think, three drives in a row. You're giving the team points at that point. Yeah, so I want to stick right on the Patrick's Mahomes point and his turnovers. 
I know that with these quarterbacks, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you live or die by their ability to continue out the play. Has it been a form of recklessness in the past couple games, or has it just been standard operating procedure for Patrick Mahomes and just a few things, like you said, that Travis Kelsey stopping mid-route went awry? I would really like to hear your opinion on that. I think it's hard to, to definitively say what it is right now. I think you have too small of a sample size. What I will say, though, is the plays that he used to make that when he got out of the pocket, and a good example would be against the Ravens where he stepped up and threw an interception. He came back and he owned it. He said he shouldn't have made that throw. He should have been just taking the, the easy throw that he had, but he tried to get it to Kelsey anyway, and that caused the interception. Now, the other thing that was an issue is he stepped into the pressure. So he put himself in a bad position to have to throw that ball to begin with. And then as he was going down, then he released the ball. If he just holds on to it there, I don't know that they're able to get points because it would have been a sack and it would have been, you know, that type of situation, but at least they don't turn the ball over. And that completely changes that game in my opinion. Uh, And then you start looking at what he did against, you know, the chargers and his throw to camp was offline. I mean, it wasn't a great throw. He did hit him in the hands, but uh, you, need, you would like to hit him a little bit more down. Kemp was wide open. There was no reason that he had to put the ball where he put it. And then the Kelsey throw, I don't know. I, I think, like I said, it looked like to me, at least when I watched it, that Kelsey stopped when Mahomes had already released the ball. And if you do that in a game situation, and it's a deep enough, deep enough pass, it's going to look like a horrible overthrow. And that's kind of the way it looked to me. Kelsey's 6'5", so you know, even two or three more yards, he has a chance to reach that ball. Uh, with his big frame and and whatnot. So I do think he's pressing. I do think he's trying to make things happen. And I think that that's what he's always done. I just think that it's so far it's gone against him this year. And I do think that it will flip back to going the right direction. At least that's what you hope as a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I would say with the law of averages, that's probably what is going to happen. And for us Eagles fans that might not have watched as much Kansas City this year in our lasting image of Patrick Mahomes was in the Super Bowl where he was running for his life. You talked about that offensive line and how they revamped it. Have you been pleased with the results so far in this young NFL season? You have a rookie center who hasn't given up, I think has given up one pressure and given up no sacks. You have a rookie right guard that has given up a couple of pressures and like five or six pressures. And I think maybe one or two sacks, uh, but that's a lot better than it was in the past. You have five new starters on the offensive line. Anytime you have five new starters on the offensive line, you're going to have issues uh, with, with the ability to have chemistry between all of those players and for them to be a cohesive unit. You talk about Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, not being able to play together because Lane Johnson's struggling with the new guy next to him. Yeah, five guys that don't have to play, play next to each other at all. And, you know, they've got training camp, and that sounds great. But when you're talking, you know, this is something that they get used to over, you know, hundreds of different snaps. It could be week eight or week nine before you actually see closer to what the finished product is going to be. But I think you have to be excited about the early returns because the one thing that you definitely have seen this year is you're seeing a push on the offensive line in short yard situations that Kansas City's never had. Uh, in the past five or six years. Their offensive line in third and short was always passing the ball because they couldn't get the push to get two or three yards. Now that's not really an issue. They have the guys there that can get it done. And you've got three rookies starting basically on the offensive line because Lucas Niang opted out last year. If those three guys can get together in Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Lucas Niang, you're going to have a great line. 
Joe Tooney is already one of the best linemen in the NFL at the guard position. And Orlando Brown had a really big struggle week one against Miles Garrett. But I got news for you. You're not going to play Miles Garrett every week. Now, Miles Garrett, in my opinion, I've said this before on our show, top three pass rusher easy in my mind. You're not going to play that guy every week. Mm-hmm. So as long as you know that he's going to struggle against guys like that, you should be able to give him help and, and take care of it. But I think Brown's even looked pretty good the past couple of weeks. He didn't give up any pressure that I remember against the Ravens. And against the Chargers, he's going against another guy like Joey Bosa, some at least. Uh, and I think he held up pretty well there as well. Yeah, let's turn it to the defensive <clears throat> side of the ball now in Kansas oh, City. Don't. I I know everybody wants to hear about the offense, but we have to hear about the right. elephant in the room. What is the problem? I'll, I'll just leave it open-ended. What is going on in Kansas City? <sighs> Man, I don't even know where to start. Uh, <laughs> defensively speaking, you know, week one, it kind of made sense that they gave up a lot of points to the Browns. So it's, the Browns have a good offense, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's, you know, very crazy to say. Uh, when it comes to running the ball, they didn't have Tyron Matthew. They didn't have Frank Clark week one. So to me, it kind of made sense that they were going to struggle. Tyron Matthews out because of COVID, Frank Clark with an injury. Uh, Frank Clark, while he hasn't gotten pressure on the QB, he's always been phenomenal at stopping the run. So he really helps in that regard. He didn't really help week two. Uh, still have, still dealing with a hamstring injury. Now he's dealing with a hamstring injury on the other hamstring. Uh, so he missed week three. Um, you know, you have Chris Jones playing defensive end now, not defensive tackle. I think that is a change. And he really got, and I hate using this word, but it's really accurate in my opinion. He got abused in the second game. He got taken advantage of because he's used to being able to crash and just go right after the ball carrier. Mm-hmm. You can't do that as much as defensive end as you can defensive tackle. So I think that they took that and used that to their advantage to be able to run the ball so well in Baltimore. You look at the way they played against the Chargers. Man, there are some penalties that I just – I scratched my nose – I scratched my head on. Uh, they got called, a, you know, fourth and nine at the very end of the game, and they call a pass interference penalty that I thought was questionable at best. And then, you know, a few plays later when Kansas City's throwing a Hail Mary, the guy basically puts both of his arms around Hill and won't let Hill even jump for the ball, and they don't call anything. So, you know, yeah, you don't generally see pass interference on a Hail Mary, but – you're going to call it on a fourth and nine when it was basically a, a toss-up ball. I mean, seems questionable in my mind. And, and you, you look at the rest of the defense; they've got to step forward. They've got to be able to stop the the run better. They've, you know, their corners are young, so that's going to be an issue as well. Hopefully, this week they're going to get Willie Gay back. We still don't know about that at this time. If he's able to play, then that's going to help them against the run and the pass because he can cover running backs out of the backfield and he is their fastest linebacker and that adds a ton of speed to that unit. Absolutely. And I think that that's a ton of guys to worry about. I mean, you went through the gamut, Chris Jones, Willie Gay, potentially coming back. I know we were big fans of him here on the lockdown Eagles podcast in that draft, but somebody on this team, and this will be the last question I ask you, that is an X factor that maybe we haven't heard about that you really think could impact this game come Sunday. You know, it's going to really be a question of does the defensive line get the job done? But when you start looking at X factors in this Chiefs team, the guy that always sticks out to me is going to be Sneed. Legereus Sneed, he's always going to be an X factor. He is their best corner, in my opinion, and I think that uh, he will be a household name. If not this year, by the end of next year, he will be a household name. I think he's a phenomenal corner. So the question is, is can he slow down the passing attack? And he likes to get his – 
you know, knows that they're on the run as well. So that can also help. Uh, I do think he could have a really big game. The other guy that you really ought to watch for, though, there's a couple of them. Jerron Reed is fantastic as a defensive tackle. Uh, that was a great signing by Kansas City. But watch for Tashawn Wharton and Colin Saunders. Those two at defensive tackle have been disruptive at times. If they're able to do that against the Eagles, I think that goes a long way to Kansas City winning this game. Kalen Saunders is one of my favorite players coming yep. out of that draft and in the NFL. I think he's unbelievable with that explosion that he has on the inside. All right, Chris, let's finish it up here. Tell us where we could find you. I know they could find you at Chris Clark on Twitter. Let the fans know where else they could find you. Yep, I'm always the one tweeting from the Locked On Chiefs podcast account. Uh, it's Locked On Chiefs, so you can find me there. Uh, obviously, we have you know Instagram and all that, and we are on YouTube, as you can see us right now. So please go follow and subscribe on YouTube. Really enjoyed the conversation today, Gino. Yeah, Chris, thank you for joining me. And as always, Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Eagles will be your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you go check out Locked On Bets. It doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, handicap expert Lee Sterling, get all your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag or wherever you get your podcasts. And then you can find me, Gino Camilleri, GC24 underscore football on Twitter. Find my co-host Lou at DBOSSIELOE. Find our main account at Lockdown Birds on Twitter at LockdownEagles.com. And then any podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, make sure you check them out. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Chiefs. Chris Clark, we appreciate you having your time on this show with us. Good luck on Sunday, my friend. And as always for me, fly, Eagles, fly.